Recording in progress. Shalom, everyone, and uh, welcome back. It's been over oof, two months as we're resuming these classes on Likutei Moran. It's hard to believe we're still on less than 24. We started this Torah not last year, but the year before Lagba Omer. So it's like a, it's a year and a half. Wow, it's a it's a bit more than a year and a half already that we started this lesson, and we're not even halfway through. It should it should work out nicely. We're holding now, uh, after doing already everything, including the Likutei Tfilot, up to paragraph section 4, we're finally starting section number 5. We left off, if you remember, about the idea of the hands and their connection to bracha, activating bracha to the hands, and how the hands are the channel to bringing down bracha. I think we mentioned the Midrash. The Midrash Rabbah says, that Hashem made the human being unique and that his fingers are shaped like pipelines. We see an animal like a, do- a, a, a lion, a bear, a tiger, dogs, cats, their paws, the fingers are curved. Everyone's curved with like pointy nails and everything. Human beings were unique. I mean, maybe the monkeys or the apes are similar to us closely, but they also have a lot of bending. But by human beings, the normal positioning and the shape of the fingers is like tzinorot, like, like tubes, like funnels, like channels, pipelines, because the Midrash says that the fingers of a human being, again, as a Jew, is to channel bracha. It's like tzinorot for channeling the, the blessing. That's why hands are a lot associated with, with a person. You see people, for example, the people who talk about moving their hands. And you have people who talk with expression with their hands. Who gets the message more to you from the heart is when the hands are involved. For example, you see a news reporter. They can't move their hands while they're talking. They have their hands on the desk or on a pen and with a paper in front of them, right? They're not allowed to move their hands so much. You have some, like, you have like, the news, they got the news reporters just bringing down dead news. Okay, in the news today. And they have those who like are into examining the presidency and how he acted and how Trump spoke and this. So they move their hands a lot, okay? Because when someone's emotion and he wants to get through to you through his emotion, so he has to use their hands. If it's just dry information, they don't move the hands so much, okay? But as a Yid, as a Jew, when getting over Torah, and it's everything involved, it's the head and the, and the heart, hands are involved. When a speaker tries to give over Torah, I mean, I use my hands a lot. In Malasot, the hands are always apart, because the hands have a piece of the expression. Here also, we're going to see now that the main bracha of the hands is sechel. So automatically it's connected to the brain and intellect and automatically hand movement is involved. But it's amazing. A normal person, when they talk, they have to use their hands. It's part of it. It's more expression. You have people who don't use their hands that much and it's dry. But those who are more like Lahavdil, you saw Hitler when he spoke. He's like, Mamish. His hands are moving left and right like crazy. Like he's going to throw His hands are going to fall off when he was screaming and everything. But he convinced people. So it's, it's showing that hands have a major part in expression. This is coming up in this section, how we're going to see that the main bracha is intellect. We're going to see the sechel. So automatically, hands have a part in that, in expression. And also that shows you that they receive, the recipient. So hands are very important. Hands are very important in many areas of life. Okay, so we're going to see that now, B'zat Hashem. So paragraph number five. Okay, it says like this. Lesson 24. Ve'ikar ha'bracha she'nishpa'in me'ayadayim 
Hem sechel. Okay, watch. Let's go for every single word here. And the essence of the blessing. And this again, this leftover, this is based on what we saw in paragraph 4. So you already know that he spoke about bracha. That our influence, that have shefa, that come down to the hands. So it's a one bracha, but it comes down in plural. Yadayim. Plural, right? Hem sechel. Hem, you see it says in plural. They are. Bracha is singular. Ikar habracha. Okay? That come down through the hands. Plural. The bracha has to come down through both hands. We're going to go into a lot. Bezat Hashem. The idea of there being two hands. It's not just one hand. Bracha is two hands. What's two hands? The right hand is chesed. And the left hand is gvura. You need that balance. For bracha to come down, there has to be a balance of chesed and gvura. Because that gives the a balance of what bracha really is. Bracha is only right, that's not bracha, it's too much chesed. Bracha only left, too much dinim. You know, you get the bracha through it. it the Pasuk says, we say it in the, the days that we say tachanu, in the Lam Latzeach, right? Ya'an chashem biyom tzara. Bigvurot yesha yemino. Through the right hand, the, so through the left, sorry, through the gvura, which is the left hand, is the salvation of the right hand, Hashem's right. The right comes to the left. That means you need both. So yadayim is two hands. The idea of two hands being the source of the bracha. The, and, the, and you need both. So he, says, so he started off singular. The essence of bracha, which comes down through the hands, the bracha comes down and it splits the two hands. Yadayim. Hem sechel. Whoa. They are intellect. What is intellect? What is the difference between Chokhmah, Bina, Da'at, and Sechel? Did you ever wonder why this term Sechel? Say Chokhmah, knowledge. Say Bina, understanding. Say Da'at, wisdom. But what's Sechel, intellect? What is Sechel? You know, what is that term? Sechel, they explain, is your receptacle. Your body's, your brain, your mind's ability to receive. In other words, it's one thing for intellect to come to you. Like, for example, there's information in a textbook. You have a math book or a study book, okay? There's information in the book. You read it. Okay, you're reading it. It has to go somewhere. The place that it goes in the brain is called sechel. The sechel is the bit kibul, the receptacle to receive chokhmah, bina and dat. Chokhmah, bina and dat come from Hashem. It's external. It's from the Torah. Hashem sends us through the Torah, chokhmah. We say Chokhmah is the true Chokhmah. The true Chokhmah is the Torah. The true Bina is from the Torah. The true Dad is from the, is from the Torah. So that's external to us. Our, in, our Sechel is what absorbs it and what stays with us, us. In other words, you have a lot of information going through you. It's etched in the subconscious, fine. But what you have with you, what you take with you until you pass away, is called the Sechel. There's a term Rabbi Nachman calls Sechel Hanikna. The, the acquired sechel that stays with you even after you're passing in the grave, there's a sechel that stays with the body inside. Okay, there's higher levels that disappear, they become whatever they become. There's the Torah Steiner that you can learn in the world to come. But what's with a person is the sechel. The sechel absorbs it, it stays with you. And he's saying here, the main bracha that come down from the hands is intellect. What does that mean? That means the biggest blessing is that your receptacle, your cup, is able to receive maximum capacity. 
That's the biggest bracha. That you have a sechel. That you have an intellect. That you have a place inside of you that can receive. You have 10,000 people reading the same pasuk in the Chumash of Rashi. But each one gets a different perspective. Many of them didn't absorb even minimum. Some absorb, absorb minimum, some absorb more, some absorb deeper, okay? So now, my, dependent on how strong is my sechel capacity, that's how much I'll be able to absorb. So he's saying here, the main bracha that comes down from the hands is the bracha of the intellect. Okay, it's one thing I learned Torah. I have a person say, I learn Torah every, every day, but everything goes in and goes out, nothing stays with me. What stays with me? To have that bracha of sechel means that it comes in, what's good stays in. The sechel intellect is able to take all the information properly in the right perspective. And, and there's endless levels of sechel. Just like there's endless levels of, levels of Torah, there's endless levels of a person's capacity. You can say, oh, this guy, he's born a genius. Okay, it could be. But does that mean that I'm, I have an X for the rest of my life because I'm, I, don't have, I have like a thick head? So this bracha of sechel is that I should develop my intellect. I should have a brain capacity to understand properly what I'm learning, to get the right message. You have people that are learning and they have no idea what they're learning. You have people who are learning Daf Yomi, they're learning Likuta Alachot, they're learning Chassidu, they're learning Brestav and everything, but they don't really see what's there. They don't get the message. Yeah, it just went in, went out, and it didn't do anything. Come on. The intellect is where what you're learning goes in, and it stays and makes a difference. We see that, you know, many people, you're learning so much Torah, and you feel, where did it all go? How come I'm not a tzaddik yet? How come I didn't change? This is also Birkat HaSechel. Birkat HaSechel is what I'm learning should be impressioned within me and make a change. It should make a change. This is the bracha of the sechel. And again, it's dependent on simcha. And simcha, and simcha in the mitzvah, is dependent on how strong you are in breaking the atzvut of the hechalat murat, of the evil. Getting out of the evil by being happy, finding all ways how to be happy and not to let what's happening in your life take you down. Most people, even the best people, they get broken from what they're going through. Sometimes it's like overwhelming. This happens, and while this is happening, something else happens, another phone call, and this and that. I just want to pop, because it's like so much, and it's bedafka happening from Shemayim. If you're smart, you see, Hashem, I know you're doing this to me. I know. It's so obvious that you're doing this to me. It's from heaven. It's so clear. I have to be stupid not to see it, right? The person should pick up the message clearly, quickly. That's a bracha of secha. That's what you want. But all this comes to being b'simcha. It starts off, A leads to B, and B leads to A. But A leads to B. In other words, how I'm mitchazik on my own to be b'simcha, even a little bit, this opens the doors for, the doors for this bracha of the secha b'zat Hashem. Okay? So, ikar bracha shenishpaim ha'yadayim, hem secha, he says, they are intellect. Ukeshebaim lemata, and when they, see, it continues in plural. Bracha is one, but it has to go through the two hands. In every intellect, there has to be two sides. There's always two sides of the coin. In other words, when you are given a piece of information, you have the item and its opposite. In other words, the positive side to it and it's negative. Every piece of information, there's always two sides to the picture. To anything that happens, your judgment on it is two sides. The famous story I told you many times. I'll say it again, the story with Simon Wiesenthal. Simon Wiesenthal, He's the one who founded the Holocaust mem uh, Memorial Museum in, uh, in L.A. And he was a Nazi hunter. He spent his whole life finding Nazis who survived the Holocaust and putting them to trial. 
So he told a story about himself that right after the Holocaust, he was put in a DPC camp in Germany, the placed person's camp for the Jewish survivors. And you can imagine the Yid in there were very tzibrochen. They're very traumatized. They went through crazy things. People had crazy things happening in them, side effects from the trauma, okay? And the, the, the American army brought in a rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer Silver. He came in from America to mechazek the, the emunah of the Yidin. He was a chaplain in the American army. He was assigned to open a shul in the DPC camp and to mechazek, to strengthen all the survivors. So those Jews who still were believing in Hashem, they came to shul. He gave a daily class, da daily classes, okay? And one guy started to come and just interrupt his classes. He started to give a shear. The guy started saying, there's no God. He forsaken us. Because if there was a God, why would he do this to us? How could he do this to us? You know, he came, but he didn't just mind his own business. Again, many Jews, they didn't believe anymore. So they stayed in their corner with, with their disbelief. And the, 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 other Jews do, the, the other Jews also do what they're doing. All right? But this guy, he came in to, to bother them. He came in to bother them. So it happened once, twice. Three times, Rav Silver said, I gotta talk to this guy. He keeps, keeps on ruining the classes, you know. <laughs> it's happening again and again. So he, Rav Silver pulled over the guy who was young at the time. Rabbi Silver was much older. He said to Simon Wiesenthal, why, What's wrong? Why, why are you so against and you're attacking? It's not enough that you're against, but you now wanna ruin it for other people. What's wrong? He said, I saw something in the camp. I can never forgive that person. And because of that, I'm upset that this is the representative of Judaism? What did he see? He saw that one Jew, a religious yid, managed to smuggle into the camps, the concentration camps, a tiny pocket-sized sitter, very tiny, and he was allowing people to use it for five minutes only for their daily piece of bread. They gave them the daily piece of bread that they got, and they would give five minutes to sitter. And the Simon Wiesenthal said, there were lineups of Jews waiting to use the Siddur. They died from starvation. And this guy here, he survived because he had bread. He had enough bread to eat, so he was never starving. I can't forgive that man. And if he's representing the Torah, which he is, he says, then this is Judaism that I, I don't accept. Hashem wasn't with us. If this is the Torah representatives, what they do at the time of danger, I don't accept. I don't accept that I'm upset at Hashem also as an extension because I'm upset that this Jew was a from Jew and he did such a thing to help other Jews starve to death so I can never forgive him and never forgive Hashem for letting that happen. So Rav Silver said to Simon Wiesenthal, he says, my dear friend, you're looking from his perspective of how he can do that. Did you think ever to look at the perspective of the Yidin who were willing to do that? The Jew has no obligation to do that. Okay, it's a time of shmad. They're all anyways going to die in Kiddush Hashem. They chose on their own to do that move, to make that move of, uh, of, of using the Seder on the, on the fact that they're going to starve to death. Did you ever think of, of that point? So he, so he said, he, he realized that that was a true point. That was a, a, a real argument. And he said, from that point on, I saw that in everything in life, there's two sides. Anything that happens in life, there's the positive side and the negative, okay? So bracha has to come down with two hands. You have to have the right, which is chesed, and you have to have the left, which is a gvura. Why? Because when bracha comes down, you need to know where to put it. 
when a bracha comes down, how you interpret it needs a balancing. For example, when, you, when you're thinking your thoughts, should I do this today, should I do that? You're always looking at what's called the pros and the cons. The pros and the cons are the two hands. The right hand is like the pros, and the left hand is the cons. The bracha has to come down through two hands. In other words, involved in any decision I'm going to make in my life, and any piece of information that comes in my life to change me, I have every time there's the pros and the cons to it. For example, you want to take upon yourself to do a new devotion. I say, and now I take upon since Rosh Hashanah, I want to do after davening five minutes of tehillim every day. That's it. I have my tefillin, my talis and tefillin bag. I put it in a pocket-sized tehillim that way after davening. So now what's the pros? Ah, I'm going to gain a few kebetlech every day. The, the con is, but wait a second, I have to rush home right after davening in order to help with the kids, take them to school, take them to school, okay? I have the pros and the cons for every piece of information coming down. That's why the bracha needs two hands. The sechel that comes down has to come down through two hands. Because everything in life, you have to weigh. Nothing is, oh, there's a big light. Okay, let's do it. Let's go do it. Let's go like right and do it. Crazy. You have to balance. Every, every, every time a decision is required to make in your life, you have to weigh it. You have to think about it. Because there's the pros. And for everything, there's pros and cons. For everything positive, there'll be a repercussion of a side effect of something which is negative. And I have to make sure that the gain is more than the loss. This is hinted to in Pirkei Avot. Remember? A person has to lishkol hefseda keneged what's it? Sachar keneged hefsed. Okay? For a mitzvah, the sachar keneged hefsed. The avera, the sachar keneged hefsed. Look at the wording of Pirkei Avot. It said on a mitzvah, there's a sachar, and there's also a hefsed. There's a hefsed. What's going on? Amen. Is it obvious that whenever you do a mitzvah, there's a sachar? Perkevot said, nonetheless, when you do a mitzvah, you have to weigh the plus, the sachar, to its hefsed. What? Does a hefsed, a loss in doing a mitzvah? Yes. You have to see. Okay, I'm going to say an extra five kapitlich, tell him every day after davening. That's your sachar. But the hefsed is you come home, your wife screams at you, where are you? I needed you to change your diaper, whatever. And you now have a hefsed. You have to know how to wait. Another classic example, classic example, is the custom of saying Shalom Aleichem Friday night, okay? Chafetz Chaim, you know the famous Mishnah Baruch Chafetz Chaim on himself, that when he knew he had guests waiting, even, even not, to not make his wife wait, because you know his wife, she was starving and she wanted to start Kiddush and eat already, he would come home and start right straight to Kiddush, Yo, Mashi, she, he would skip Shalom Aleichem and everything, right? Because he knew at home it would bother them. You have to weigh the pro, it's a mit- but it's a mitzvah. To say Shalom Aleichem was enacted by the students of the Arizal. It's a big thing to say. How in the world do you want me to skip this? Yeah, but they're starving. Your guests are starving, your wife is starving. Did anybody ask you to dive in, in the wind, the summer, summer months? It's such a normal minyan. Go to an earlier minyan or this and that. Or You have to know how to weigh the gain of a mitzvah and its loss. Everything in life has two hands. The right hand, the chesed, the positive, and the left hand, the gvura. So bracha has to come down through both hands, because and the main bracha being intellect, you see? plural, He's gonna say coming up that all bracha coming down is first sechel, 
and then you can change it to something else. You want a bracha of parnasah, of children, of, of, of Yiddish anaches, of health and everything. The bracha, when it comes down, doesn't come down as money, as wealth, as physical naches and, and health and everything. It comes down as sechel. And the person shapes, when is he coming up? He changes the shape of the bracha to what he wants. When is he coming up? Okay? But it comes down as intellect. And because it comes down as intellect, it has to use two hands. So again, ikar bracha mayadayim, plural, hem, plural, sechel. They are intellect, because intellect is made up of right and left. Because again, for everything there's pros and cons. For every bit of chokhmah bina da'at that Hashem sends you, in this case, the, 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 the ability to have an intellect, which means also, in your intellect, are you experts, are you sharp enough to weigh the pros and cons? It's one thing for Hashem, the same person, Chokhmah bin Adat. It's another thing that you have the intellect to know how to take it in, how to understand it, how to apply it properly. That's intellect. Okay? Chokhmah bin Adat is what's coming to you. There's the Chokhmah coming to you. There's the Bina coming to you, the Da'at coming to you. Yeah, fine. But your Sechel will determine how it's absorbed. Your Sechel, you, your intellect. So that's the Bracha he's saying. The Bracha of having a Sechel comes from the hands. And the hands come from the feet, and the feet come from the... Remember this? All this, we're still in lesson 24, right? Okay, fine. So, Ikar Bracha, Shenishmein Mayadayim, Hem Sechel, period. I think we, we clarified that enough. And when they come down to a person, they descend. Again, you see, we went upwards. We started from in the Klipot. We, we extracted the Mitzvah, the Shechina, the Simcha of Hashem, the Simcha of the Lev, we extracted it from the klipot, which is under the body, under the legs, to the concept of the legs. It's just a recap, remember? And now that the mitzvah are at the level of legs, what does that mean? That your mitzvah that you did besimcha has momentum, has movement, has motion, meaning it has the ability to get the world in a good direction now. Because you did a mitzvah of positivity, so now your surrounding now is also filled with positivity because you did it b'simcha. You can do the mitzvah, uh, 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 you're like very grudgy and edgy and dinim. And your surrounding continues to be edgy and grudgy and dinim. But when you do a mitzvah b'simcha, it influences your surroundings, your atmosphere, your world, everything. All the levels of the world are influenced and you have interaction of that. So it's positive. Okay? Now that there is movement, motion, and it's like, you know, molecule, you're learning in physics, the molecule. How, how does heat, like heat work? One molecule starts moving, and it starts moving the second molecule next to it, next one, and then all, how does heat start? The first molecule got heated up based on the fire underneath it, of the, of the, of the metal, let's say. Okay, it starts heating up the molecules, and they start heating, heating, so the whole thing heats up, and it heats up the water in the, in the bowl and everything, in the, in the pot. So that's how a mitzvah is. It has momentum, and the momentum creates heat, heat of arousal to Hashem, and it shakes up, shakes up everything until everything now is all, everyone's heated up together. Okay? Everyone's heated up. We're moving on up. It's like everyone's moving up. Everyone's heated up to Hashem. Okay? Because of your mitzvah, besimcha. Besimcha. Nevat simcha doesn't work. So once the legs are, that's called activating the legs. Once the legs are activated, then it brings down the hands. The hands are activated, so it's going up. The hands now activated, meaning the hands go upwards. Okay? Now the main 
that's the that's the end of this of what a person does stops by the hands. You don't do with your head. You don't like push things with your head and everything. You speak with your head. You see, but doing stops with the hands. So what's start what starts at that point? What you bring down through your hands because the hands are shaped. You don't walk on your hands. You don't. There's no motion of the hand. The hands are meant to receive, to do, and to receive with. We receive. Give me money. Give me this. You take take food in your mouth. The hands is a receiver mainly. Okay? You also give with your hands. But in order to give, you have to receive. In order to give. Okay? So the hands now are the point here where we receive. I have to go off for a second. If you can bring me a chumash, this week's parasha, lech lecha, last week's parasha, lech lecha. Rav Nosin in the Kuti Alachot connects all these ideas to the opening two psukim of last week's parasha. It says, Vayom Hashem Avram, lech lecha. I want you to walk, to activate the legs. Okay? Thank you. Okay, he says what? Thank you. Lech uh, lecha. Let's see the wording in the pasuk so we can see with no mistakes. I've no sense it's like this. Okay. Very much Hashem el Avram. Hashem told Avram. Avram is Ravad hey. To become Avraham, he needs a hey. What's the hey? Rav Nosson says the hey Avraham are the five voices of Simcha. Kol Sason, the Kol Simcha, Kol Chatan, the Kol Kala. That's the pasuk there. I think in Yirmiyahu Yishayahu. There's the five kolot. I don't know what they sing. They say kol sasan ve kol simcha, kol chasan ve kol chala. They stop there. They don't say the last one. Kol omim Hashem, kol omim hodun Hashem. It's funny when they sing. They sing only the first four kolot. You're supposed to sing all five. You have to make a song that has all five kolot because really there's five, not four. They stop at kol sasan, kol chatan ve kol kala. Oh, that's it. What's going on? There's, there's five kolot. Rav Nosson says the hey of Avraham is the hey of Simcha. The hey of Simcha. You remember the famous, uh, there's Vehaya and Vayehi. Vayehi, Bimeachash, Verosh. So the Midrash says, Vayehi is Vay, Oyek, Tsar, suffering. And Vehaya, Lashon Simcha. Vehaya, Ovehei, is Lashon Simcha. It's a famous Gemara, Rashi, or Chaim HaKadosh. You know, everyone quotes that, Vehaya Simcha. So the hey, as opposed to Vayehi, Vayehi is what a hey, so it's Vay. Vayehi, right? Vehaya is the beginning there. It's Vehaya. There's no Vay. No pronunciation. Oi, Vay! It's Vavhei, Vehaya. Hey, Simcha. So he says like this Hashem is telling Avram, Rav Nosson says, if you look in the Zohar, this week's parasha, the Zohar a lot relates Avram Avinu to the Yiddish Neshama. The Yiddish Neshama, the Jewish soul, is called Avram. But before the Simcha, it's called Avram. And complete, it's called Avraham. Hashem tells Avram, the Yiddish Neshama, who's lacking the hay, to come to the hay, which is true Simcha, you're going to have to do the following. Lech Lecha. You're going to have to do mitzvot besimcha that cause halicha. Lech Lecha. And you have to leave from where you're doing the halicha, from three types of sadness that affect every person in the world. And everybody uses these excuses why they're sad. Number one, Ma'atzecha. Number two, Mimoladotecha. Number three, Mibeta Avicha. Rav Nosson says, Ma'atzecha is the sadness and depression in a person from the element of earth. A person, like the Rambam says, Sefer Haredim, and Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman quotes it in Likut Imran, lesson four, your, your human makeup is made up of four elements, like everything in creation. You have inside of you, earth, wind, fire, and water. Esh, Ruach, Maim, Afar. And all of your midot, the Rambam goes into this very much, and the Sefer Haredim, who's buried next to Darizal in Sfat, by the way. Sefer Haredim, 
He's buried right next to Arizal. All your midot come from the from an imbalance. The, the bad midot are from an imbalance of the four elements inside of you. And the good midot are when, when there's a balance. So for example, anger comes from fire. Sadness and laziness, sluggishness come from earth. I'm in the air. When they say I'm in the air, the person like is stuck in bed. He can't get out of bed. I'm in the air. I'm stuck in the earth. Earth is laziness, sluggishness, heaviness. Okay? So a person has sadness because of who he is. Forget about where I was born, how I was born, my family, my upbringing, all the excuses that's coming up. But there's the excuse. Look at me. I'm, I'm like that. I'm a very, very sad person. Very take everything to heart. And I get so negative. Something bad happens. I just knock off. And I don't want to do anything. And I just submit to my binge into my tivus. I go into overeating and stuffing my face. And then going to sleep. And I don't want to get out of bed. So that comes from Artsicha. Hashem tells the Yiddish and Hashem Shama, in order to come to Avraham, the hay, the hay is two things. The hay is the hay of Simcha. And there's also what's called the hay hadat. Dat is called hay. Many explanations are given according to the Kabbalah. Ramnosim gives one explanation. The letter hay is made up of a Dalit and a Yud. Okay? The Yud, Rashi says, that the world was created with two letters. Yud K. Right? The world to come is created with Yud. Okay? Because Tzadikim Shama Meod Mu'atim. But another explanation is given that Yud is also Chokhmah. In the Kabbalah, Yud is a dot. The dot is initiative, initiating something. The letter Yud, technically, even though you shape it nicely, but it starts as a dot. When you see in writing, someone's writing very small, if they write a dot, you can read it as a Yud. Where it's a dot, and it makes a Dalit, a Lamed, a Kuf. But the dot, I, read, I can read it as a Yud. So a dot is associated, and what is a dot? It's an initiation, that's Chokhmah. Okay? The Yud of the letter He is Chokhmah. The Dalit, the Gemara says, Dalit is Milashon Dal Ve'evyon. The letter Dalit, right? Gimel Dalit. Remember the Gemara? Gomel, Gimel Dalit. Why, why is the letters Gimel and then Dalit? Gomel Dalim. That the, person, the Gimel does Gimilut Chesed. To who? To those who need Chesed. Those who are poor. Dal. So Dalit is Milashon being poor. So what is that? The attribute of Emuna is poor. Because what is Emuna? That there's no that. When do you believe that, this, that, that something exists that you don't see? You don't, you don't see it. I believe. But once I see it, it's concrete. I don't need it anymore, anymore. For example, this table. I feel it. I feel that it exists. I don't need emuna for this table to exist because I can feel it. That's the yud. But the, 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 the dalit is more than of the emuna. What I, I'm told to believe, I accept it blindly. And afterwards, I, I assume that it's right. As little children, we're already taught there's Hashem, there's an Abishter. You start davening, no questions. There's a Moshe Rabbeinu, there's Avram Avinu, there's a Chumash, a, a Jewish child in the Jewish education. We don't give him the option. We stuff it in his face. There's a Torah, there's Hashem. We give him The child doesn't know at all what's flying at his little capacity of brain. So he accepts everything. As he learns more in life, he begins to understand more. He begins to see Hashem in his life, see the miracles as you become married and you have to take care of Parnassah and everything. You begin to see more and more Hashem is in your life, right? You begin to see it happening, fine? So that's the idea of emuna, Chokhmah dat is called hey. Because true Chokhmah is, whatever bit of information you get, Chokhmah the Yud, you put it in the Dalit. Okay, you put it in the Dalit. That's true Chokhmah. 
person thinks, no, it's just intellectual university study. We're doing studies on Judaic ideology. and That's not Torah. Come on. Torah is where there's a, where there's a place for the Chochmah to go. In what? In Emunah. Why? Because there's endless levels beyond you still of the Torah understanding. Can anybody say, I reached the maximum? We can't say that. The Torah is endless. The Torah comes from Ein Sof, Hashem. So our mind Torah is endless. So the Yud has to be in the Dalet to make the letter He. That's Chokhmah. So that is called He. Avram is lacking the He. Avraham has the He. Rav Nassim says, how did you get to the He of that? It's called, Rabbi Nachman calls it in Lesson 53. He's born this term from the Kabbalah. It's called the He Hadat. There's what's called the He Chasadim, He Gvur, that make up that. This is Kabbalah. I'm not going to go too much into it. But number five is associated with that. One explanation is what we brought from Rav Nassim of the Dalit and the Yud. Because that's true Dat. True Dat is, as much as you know, you begin to realize how much you don't know, right? They reveal to you a little bit, and by revealing you a little bit, it's like, <laughs> that was like a joke they, they, they told in Canada in the early 1800s when they were beginning to develop the land, and it was all muddy and everything. So there was a story in some village in, in Canada that a man was uh, walking away, traveling on his horse on a muddy road, and he saw a hat on the, on, the, on, the, on the ground. So he picked up the hat and he saw somebody's head, his bald spot under the, under the hat. And he sees a man underneath it. He said, oh my God, are you okay? So he said, don't ask if I'm okay. Ask if my horses and the wagon that are all under the earth, are they okay? So the Torah is the same thing. The Torah, once you reveal a little, you begin to know how much is, is beyond you. You're open to a new dimension, a new level. Whoa, I thought I got everything and now they show me this. I know nothing now. That's the Da'at of the Torah. They put a Yud, a dal, a yud into the Dalit, making up hay. So Avraham, the secret of, of that hay, Rabbi Nosson says, is Simcha. You want to come to Da'at, true Da'at of the Torah? You're going to need the prerequisite of the hay of Simcha. Kol Sasson, Kol Simcha, Kol Chatan, Kol Kala, Kol Modul Hashem, okay? So, so this is the, 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 the vibes associated with that, okay? So again, Hashem tells Avram, the Yiddish Neshama, who's not yet with the hay, in order for you to become Avraham, the hay, lech lecha, you have to do halicha. But how do halicha? It's only with doing the mitzvot besimcha. And from where? Me, number one, artsecha, the sadness inside of you due to your element of earth, that you have too much inside of you. Mimola detecha, number two, how you were conceived. And no one's, people say, oh, I came from such a family, my father screamed at me, my parents weren't so from, and they didn't give birth to me in the best scenarios. Like the, the Gemara says, is what's called tet midot. You know, there's children born out of tet midot. If the man is having mind another woman, and he's with his wife, the child comes out this way. If the man is with his wife and she's nida, she comes out this way. If a man wants to divorce his wife, and even though he wants to divorce his wife, he's with her, the children come out this way. It's called B'nai Tet Midot, okay? So, they have extensions. It's scary, right? It's pretty weird. Mola a person says, look how I, I, I am from my conception. And David Melech says, everyone is born with a defect of Atzvut from their conception. King David, right? Ki be'avon cholalti, uvechet 
Yechematni imi. King David says, right, through iniquity, Yechematni, my mother was heated up, okay? By the way, there's a whole Gemara, Chazal, crazy. Yishai, the father of David Melech, that night when the King David was conceived, he wanted to be with his Shivcha. I guess it was a kosher Shivcha, Shivcha Knanit, he was allowed to be with her. And instead of being with the Shivcha, he ended up being with David Melech's mother. So, so he said, there was a, there was like a exchanged, if it's an amazing of less than 24, the exchange chambers. David Melech was mamash from conception, an exchanged chamber in the Shama. His father had in mind to be with the Shivcha, and said he was with David Melech's mother, and only after when he was with her did he realize, because you know they were very tsanua, they were very modest back then obviously, he didn't know that he was with David Melech's mother instead of the Shivcha, and by heating up his mother, David Melech was born. So he says, Hen be'avon cholalti, through sin, it was technically a sin, technically, whatever, I was cholalti, I was shaped, formed, cholal, 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 to shape, right, right, sorry, the first part, with iniquity I was formed, and in sin, my mother was heated up, my mother, she wasn't supposed to be heated up that night, the shivcha was, by Yishai, my mother was heated up, but David Amalekh is saying this, he's a tzaddik, he's a tzaddik uh, Kaddosh Kaddoshim, he's a tzaddik Amiti, and he says even he was produced through heat. Hashem made it, it's really funny, you would think, is this not a mitzvah Baba Avera? There's a mitzvah of being fruitful, getting married and producing children. Isn't that a mitzvah Baba Avera? The only way to bring children is through this ta'ava. I don't want this ta'ava. This ta'ava, Hashem doesn't want it. Hashem tells us to fight against it, fight against it, fight against it. And now it comes to the mitzvah of bringing children, you have to have this ta'ava. What is this? Is this mitzvah Baba Avera? No. This is the way of the mitzvah that has to go through to bring Jewish neshama. The person has to go through the echalat murat, the exchange chambers, everybody. Okay, everybody. It's crazy. Everybody. So that's what he's saying here. Mola detecha. The, the byproduct, what's the side, the side effect of being conceived? What's the side effect of being conceived by, by man and woman? Is that because this ta'ava comes from sadness, because how does this ta'ava work? I'm sorry to go into the details, but the ta'ava is that a person feels a lack, a lust, is I'm feeling empty. When people have, when people have many much ta'ava, chas shalom, for pagam abrit, the main cause is because they're sad, they're not happy with themselves. When a person is anxiety, and worried and depressed, so it causes to become a Brit. Right? Her name. The, the name of her is called, she, remember her name? Lamed Yud, Lamed Yud Tav, Al Shema Yelala. She's like causing the person to be depressed and like crying out of depression, wailing. The person has inside of him an emptiness, Chas Shalom, and the way he wants to let it out is to become a Brit. So that's called Molada Techa, that the birth comes about to a type of a sadness. So people say, I was born like that. And the truth is, yeah, you were born like that. But it's not an excuse. You have to get out of it. That's what Hashem is telling the Yiddishman Shama. You have to get out from the artsyut of your daily battle of the four elements, the element of earth that you have a part of you that's trying to make you down, sad, depressed, and, and heavy, lethargic. That means very sluggish, lazy. Mola detecha, the sadness that comes from your birth, how you were born. Umibet avicha. Beit Avicharasan says, the family and siblings and brothers and sisters who are against you and don't let you become who you are. 
They they keep you down. They make you. They're always attacking you. Put your shirt in. Why you can't stand you in my room anymore? You drive me nuts. Get out already. Get married and move out already. I can't stand you. You're all, I'm, all my life. You're just you. You know you're putting me down and this and that. The arguments. The brothers and sisters sometimes they're worse than the going. If you notice, the fights at home are crazy. <laughs> Between brothers and sisters, it's not always the best. You have some brothers or sisters who are nice, and some they want to kill you. They want to kill you worse than the going even. It's it's crazy sometimes the fights that go on in families. And then parents with children, that they're not happy. Where were you? How can you be coming at four in the morning? It's very hard for a parent to be positive of their child. Why? Because they feel a responsibility. And any time anything goes wrong, they blow up. Other people, they don't blow up. But the parent does blow up because he feels concerned. He feels close. That's the whole problem. That's why it's good sometimes to give chinuch for the children to someone else. I think, I think. It's an adeya and halacha. It's better that the mechanech of the children should be outside. The, 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 the Torah's obligation, the mitzvah de chatechila, is that the father should teach his children. There's what's called mitzvah talmud Torah, that I, I give money to a melamed, a teacher. He, he, in my place, does it. There's an opinion that says it's better that you get someone else to do the chinuch, because you, when you teach, it's out of emotion. And you're too emotional, you get too angry with your child because you want everything to be right, because you feel he's your son, you love him, everything to be perfect. The mechanech, he, he cares for the kids, it's his job, but he's able to maintain a balance in his emotions normally more than the parent. The parent will kill the child if he doesn't learn the Gemara well. The, ch- the, 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 the teacher may also get angry, but not as angry as the parent. So there's an opinion that sometimes it's better to do the chinuch through a, a third party outside of the parent and child relationship to use someone else, even though the mitzvah ideally is from the parent to the child, but because of the side ba- the side the side tracking side effect of the anger of the parent, and when you're teaching out of anger, uh, it just ruins the child even more, right? So, but going back, you have sadness, and you say, I grew up in a house, they were always fighting, and my parents were always fighting, and this, and screaming. So you justify why you are the way you are. You know, I'm fat because I grew up in such always putting me down and this and that. Okay. So Rav is saying here, Hashem says, you could get out of it. No excuses. No excuses. You say, Artsecha, oh, I'm justified. I'm justified. Look, I was born with my parents. Look at this and that, the pornography and this and that. Look how I grew up the house and everything. No, you have to leave. Okay. Now, what do you want me to do? How do you want to get out? So your goal is to come to Eretz Yisrael. Because what Rasen says, complete simcha is only in Eretz Yisrael. To work, to connect to Eretz Yisrael, that's the goal. Okay? And then he says, I'll make you to a goy gadol, which means, he says, that when you succeed in going into the klipot and doing the mitzvah of the simcha, what happens? All the holy sparks are touching themselves to you. Because comes along a guy who's happy, and does the mitzvah b'simcha, all the sparks want to connect to such a person. So also, if Avram Avinu, the Yiddish Neshama, does the mitzvah b'simcha, he does lech lecha, he does mitzvah b'simcha and causes momentum, so many people love the person. He has many students, many people, many followers. That's what Avram Avinu. That's what we're holding now. Then you get the bracha of the Yadayim. I will give you the brachot. Okay? And once you have the bracha, the main bracha is what? Sechel. So Rav Nosson says, Agadela Shemecha, I'll make your name bigger. I'll add the hey to your name. Avram becomes Avraham. You have the dot now. The main bracha is Vavarecha, and it leads to Agadela Shemecha, 
and then ve'ye bracha. Now you will be bracha. Okay? It's amazing. Rav Nosem fits in. Amazing. You will be the bracha now. The brachas, ve'ye bracha, Rashi says what? Ve'ye bracha, ha'brachot netunot be'yadecha. The bracha, <laughs> amazing. The brachas are in your hands. That's Rav Nosem. He shows how all lesson, the Kutem one lesson 24, is hinted to in the opening two psukim of Parashat Lech Lecha. In an amazing way. Rav Nosem does. He's to show you that the Torah, Rabbeinu's Torah is alive. It's Mamish living with Hashem. Okay. I, would, I had to go after that because that's very, shows the idea of the hands and the brachot. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll stop here because it's already so much. Because uh, the next time, the next class, the next section is like a whole thing in itself, right? It says, We didn't go into Ratzon at all yet. We have to go into Ratzon in the next class, Bezat Hashem. So we'll stop here. And Bezat Hashem, we should be to do Mitzvah Besimcha and have Birkata Sechel. Yeah, one story I wanted to tell you guys. I think we should finish off with the story. That the Birkata Sechel is the main bracha. So. Uh, there's a story, it's brought down, it's even here. The story is right over here, but I'll just read it outside quickly, the details, there's a lot of details in the story. That um, Rabbeinu had a student, his name was Rav Chaikel, and they were once traveling uh, in the wagon. He, he was like a shamish to Rabbeinu. And they passed by a village where Rav Chaikel had a, fam- a relative who lived there who was a shtickle, a bit of, of a follower to, Rab- to Rabbi Nachman. He was a bit of a follower, but not so much. And Rav Chaiko told the driver, without Rabbi Nachman's permission, turn into the village, please. He turned into the village. Rabbeinu's way was never to get involved. And Rabbi Nachman was like pretending to be out of it, like he was in his hasagot, whatever. And Rav Chaiko told the driver, stop the, wa- the, the, the wagon in front of this house, his, co- his relative's house, his cousin's house. He stopped, and he got out, and Rabbeinu followed him. And Rabbeinu was like pretending like nothing was wrong, nothing was happening. Okay? Uh, they knock on the door. The, the relative opens the door, he sees Rabbi Nachman at the door. He started to flip out with joy. Oh my God. Rav Chaikov says to his cousin, do you have any like lechaim schnapps and lekach mezonis to mechabed this very special guest? He said, I have nothing in the house. She said, okay, so go buy something at the local Kretschma. Back, back then, the inns also, they sold uh, vodka, schnapps, and they sold some cakes, whatever, because they were run by Yidin, and they had, ex- they had extra they had food to sell also. Cakes and stuff like that, because non-stop going, we're coming there to eat and drink, whatever. So he said, I don't have any money to buy, to, to buy something. So he said, so he said the, the Chaiko told his cousin, so take something from your house, do a mashkon, you know, do a pawn it, and with the money, buy stuff for Rabbeinu. So he took his wife's Shabbos candlesticks. While they were waiting in his house, he quickly went to the Kretschner, which was like nearby. He, he did a mashkon, he put on collateral the, the candlesticks. He brought back some cake and some uh, lek, uh, for Rabbeinu. While he was serving uh, Rabbeinu Lechaim and the cakes, the, the cousin's children passed by in the, in, the, in the room, and they were all wearing no shoes. It was winter, no shoes at home, because they had no shoes, and torn clothing. So Haiko told Rabbeinu, he said, No, Rabbeinu, have some Rahman with some pity. Look, look at his kids and him. Maybe give him a bracha. So Rabbeinu said to Rav Haiko, I don't have a bracha to give to him. And if you want, you can give him a bracha. He, he got worried. He thought maybe he was bogea. He interfered with Rabbeinu's honor. He said, are you sure? He says, yes. If you want to give a bracha, you can give a bracha. I have no bracha to give to him. And he asked, he was so scared. He said, he asked him a few times. He said, yes, you can give him a bracha. Yes, yes. So he said, okay, very well. He told his cousin, bring me a bucket of water. And you know the sponge stick, you know the stick to do the mopping? 
a stick with the, with the bottom, you know, to push the water. So he brought out a bucket of water. He moved the table. Everyone moved to the side. Rabbein was sitting in the chair still, whatever. Rabbein poured the bucket of water in the middle of the floor in the house. And with the broom, the, the mop stick, he pushed the water in four directions. And he said, abundance to the north, abundance to the south, abundance to the east, abundance to the west. And while he's pushing the water, Rabbein picked up the corners of his bekesha and he says, Rabbein, I don't want any of your bracha on me. I don't want any of your shefa. He picked up the edges of his bekesha, okay? So he did that. They left. Right after the, like, within the day, the, the cousin had a knock on the door with these like Goish Ukrainian merchants. Oh, hello, knocking, banging on the door. You know, we want something to eat. Do you have anything for us to eat? So I have nothing at home. He says, why not? He says, I don't have money. Says, oh, they give him money. Here, go buy some food. Go buy us some, you know, fish and cake and schnapp, vodka. And get, get some food already. You know, and they give a profit to do it. So they waited for him, and they gave, they gave him like a lot of money to buy stuff. And they, they, he prepared the table for them. And they said, until now we're staying by the Kretschma, we like staying by you. Okay? And they came to sell like pishtan, uh, uh, linens, and sheepskin, and wool, and all types of uh, fabrics. That, 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 that was, that, that's what they had to sell. And then they started bringing him, they, brought, they, they said, we're coming back, we like it here by you, we're coming back uh, soon. They came back and they also had products to sell vegetables and, you know, legumes, rice, or whatever, you know, the legumes that they have, chickpeas, whatever, hummus, you know, stuff like that. And they said, you know, we like coming here, we're coming again and again. And they gave him money, you know, to stay by him. And he started having uh, some bracha at home, some money, some money to buy food and this and that. And then they said, you know, we're tired of coming here every time. We want you to be our representative and sell for us here in this village because we pass by here very often. So... Uh, they started selling to him. He made a commission, and he started doing very, very well. And years passed, and he became very, very wealthy. And one day, he came to Breslev, which wasn't far from this village, to sell his this, this the merchandise. And he was a merchant now, and he's buying and selling. And Rabbeinu's house, Rabbi Nachman's house, till today they know approximately where it is, was in the marketplace. The, the marketplace in Breslev. It's like a T, the letter T. Rabbeinu's house was like facing the market. That marketplace has been there for like over 200 years. It's not the same stores, obviously, but it's the same place and the same shape, the same setup of a T. And on the marketplace, you had all these people coming with their horses and wagons, setting up the tables and selling all types of stuff. So Rabbeinu, Ufruach HaKodesh, he got up and he went to the window. I guess it was a summertime. And he sees the guy selling, buying and selling. So Rabbeinu knocks on his window to make a noise. And he looks up and he sees like Rabbeinu is calling him to come to him. You can't say no. So he goes into Rabbeinu's house, he says, Shalom Aleichem, how are you? And he said, tell me, have you had a chance to look at the sky today? So he said, excuse me Rabbeinu, but why do I care to look at the sky today? So Rabbeinu says, look, in 50 years from now, there'll be another marketplace, other horses, other merchandise, other people. Okay, and you and me won't be here also. So I ask you, why don't you have time to look up at the sky and think about your purpose in life? And Rav Chaikel at the time was in the room. Rabbeinu turned to Rav Chaikel. He said, you see what your bracha did? He doesn't even have time to look at the sky and to think about his tachlit. So this is what Rabbeinu is saying here, that the kishabayim lemata nasim lechol echad echad When it comes down, you shape it, how the bracha comes down. Okay, that's a problem now. We'll continue with this, Bezat Hashem, in the next class, Bezat Hashem. All right.